You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, and we're back once again for another exclusive episode of our Third Watch recap series. We're into the halfway point of season two. We're actually the 11th episode entitled A Hero's Rest, and going for an emotional roller coaster ride with this one. Uh, it was written, this is the big guns on this one too, and you can see why, you can definitely see this coming out with uh, who have got involved in this episode. Written by one of the co-creators, Ed Allen Bonero, directed by Mr. Christopher Chalak, uh, two of the big wigs when it comes to this show, and um, boy oh boy, wowee, to quote an absolute tosser of a commentator here in Australia, uh, what an episode. Uh, this is definitely going to pack some emotional punches. My name is Ben, and what I could do with that money... My name is Darvell, and Bosco's God. <laughs> in, my, in my in my sully voice, <laughs> he he is. There's actually sully impersonation. One of my, my my favorite quotes. I think is it season three. I'm thinking of when um he's on the PA system and he's like, "No, this isn't God. It's his good friend, Officer Buscarelli." <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that is season three. I um I, I, don't, I forget who he's talking to. I I'm, but... I believe that is the beginning of a a multiple story arc involving a girl in a car and uh believing she was a prostitute and then Boscarelli getting sued. Um, oh yes, yes. I yes, believe that yes. is the beginning of that storyline. Um, but I remember—I don't know if you remember the days of MSN when you used to have to have your status update. Uh, and I remember that was mine for quite some time. That no, this isn't God; it's his good friend, Officer Boscarelli. So, um, <laughs> what kind of responses did you get? Ah, to that? people had no idea what, what I was talking see? about. But um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, well, a bit away from that, we're into this episode. This is a this is a great episode, a hero's rest. Um, and I mean, again, we kind of went over this in the last episode. Sort of a Bosco episode, but not really. It's more of a cop episode. We've got Bosco, Jason Wiles narrating it. Um, but, you know, it's got a bit of a... Bos- lottery jackpot. Yeah, I, I like the way they lottery. kind of play this around, this lottery jackpot. Which, can I just point out, I have written down the numbers here for those wishing to play at home. Uh, so if you want to go out and uh, get some uh, get some tickets... Um, I can give you the numbers. We'll, we'll go across them uh, throughout the episode. But um, yeah, I, I kind of I think I, I think I might have said this you off air uh, between these episodes. That I, I always got this confused thinking this was a post nine eleven episode, but it's not. It's a pre nine eleven episode. So um, right. yeah, I mean, anything to add before we get into this, Darvell? I mean, this is this is such a powerful episode. Warning. If you're listening, get your clean get your Kleenex or tissues or whatever ready because you're going to need them. Yeah, very very much. You're so. going to need them. Um, so we we start off with the Lotto uh, Bosco talking about seventy million dollars, um, which I mean I know there's been bigger jackpots in America since this, but um, yeah, Hell, we had one that was close to it. We've had a couple that I know of that were close to a billion. It's crazy. I mean, you want to talk about lines around the block? Fuck that! You got lines around the whole, around every city in the U.S. for something like that. Now, I just want to point out though, Darvell, that if you win seventy million dollars in a lotto, you've got to pay about half of that on tax, don't you? About that, yeah. Now, look, and you don't actually get the seventy million even before taxes. You get whatever its value is, and that's if you choose to take it in a lump sum, which a lot of people are stupid enough to do. Look, I I would, by all means, even if I won $70 million, they taxed half of it and whatever, and I ended up only with $30 million, I'm still going to be bloody happy with $30 million. I'm not going to complain. But Oh, yeah. But yeah. Can I just point out for our uh, American-Canadian listeners who maybe have that similar system, in Australia, 
if it's a $70 million lotto jackpot, you win $70 million. Our prizes in Australia are not taxable. So um, if you win what ab- <laughs> yeah, believe- <what's> advertised. <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I'm sure I'm not the only American who wishes that um, our prizes weren't taxable. You know, I think it's only in America. It's only I think in it the is United too. States yeah. that these prizes are taxed. Canada, you can win $70 million and get $70 million yeah, fucking but, but, dollars. Yeah, but, Darvell, $70 million Canadian is about three, Australia, uh, three American dollars. So, I mean, it's not really that much. Um, but <laughs> I love Canada. That's mean. But, like, I know, like, obviously our background coming from a Survivor show, you know, very famous, you know, the very first winner of Survivor, Richard Hatch, obviously went to prison because of some issues around paying yes. taxes on his million dollars. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, and I, I believe even the case, like when it comes to, if you win a car on the price is right, you've technically, you don't win it because you've got to pay $30,000 worth of taxes or something ridiculous like that, don't you? So you kind of, yep. yeah, I think, wasn't it when Oprah gave out all those cars that only a few of them actually got them because you had to pay taxes on the car that you won? Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous. Like what, who comes up with that system? Hey, you win a free car. You owe me $20,000. <laughs> Oprah and the price is right, clearly. Apparently, yeah, it's that. weird. I love America, but that's just weird. Uh, <laughs> it's fucked up is what it is. If you win it, then, hey, you shouldn't have to... T- I don't think you should have to tax it. Come to Australia. I don't think you should have to pay taxes I think. It. I think our biggest lotto prize here was about $120 million, and I, I think that's one of the few times I've ever bought a ticket. You know, when it's a big amount like that, everyone's going to buy a ticket. Of course they are, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know... Dare to dream, as obviously we get a lot of... Yeah, me... Oh, sorry. No, you go, please. Yeah, I was going to say, me, I don't I don't play it. I don't play the lottery very much, if at all. In fact, I could probably count on one hand the number of times I bought a ticket. Same. Because, I mean, it's just a... To me, I see it as, as a waste of money, because, I mean, nine times out of ten, you're not going... You're not going to win. I think it's a lot nine more than nine out of ten. I think it's probably more like 999,999 out of a million, you're not going to win it. Um, yeah, but, fair enough. Like, I mean, look, I uh, yeah, absolutely Comment. agree with you. I, I completely agree. Gambling is something which I feel is a waste of money, but also, as the it's saying goes, you've got to be in it to win it. Um, you know, we have pubs here, uh, you know, sort of counter meal sort of things in, in Tasmania where, you know, you'll go out for dinner and they have this thing called Taz Kino. It's just, it's just Kino. You just, you know, put on a couple of dollars and they've got a TV screen there and it's just a fun thing you do when you go out for dinner and I've won like 30 bucks before. Cool, 30 bucks. Um, I went on... I think when I turned 18, I we were out for dinner and there was pokies there. I've never played poker machines before. Didn't know what to do. My dad's telling me to press all these buttons, so I'm just pressing them. I won. I put like five cents in. I won like $35. I'm like, wicked. And my dad's like, no, 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 keep playing, keep playing. You can win more. And I lost it all. I'm like, fuck you, Dad. I wanted that money. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's my Yeah, when I was gambling. 21, you have to be 21 here in the U.S. to gamble or to drink and all that stuff, which I think is just totally fucked up. But not up join because... the army. <laughs> yeah, I was getting to that. I mean, you know what I think of, You know what I think about that? The reason why they have us wait until we're 21 to go out and drink and gamble and all that stuff but make us go to war at 18 is because they want us to risk our life and our limbs on their terms. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go into that, um, yeah, I, what, I went to... I went to the I went to a uh, casino about a month actually less than a month after I turned 21 you know just because I, I I mean it was my first time that I could go and I wanted to try it out yeah went in with about I think forty dollars 
played played the slot machines and walked out that night with about I think 150, 160. So not bad. Nice. Not bad. Well, I mean, the only time I've ever yeah. like we we have a and actually. Um, I think we, we did this recently, didn't we? When we recorded, we have a big horse race here every year called the Melbourne Cup. I guess it's like our version of the Kentucky Derby or whatever your version is. Um, yeah, yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, few. and like I would I would put on some money every now and then, and I think I've got a pretty good track record. Like the two times I've ever put money on, I've actually won both times. Um, but, you know, it's kind of try your luck every now and then. But, um, yeah, I mean, I... Um, the one thing I would say I would like to do, which I would have no luck in doing it, but I would just want to kind of do it because I like James Bond, I guess, uh, is I'd like to go to a casino and actually sit down on one of those like ones where you play with like cards with a person, like with a dealer. Like I'd play, um, you know, uh, blackjack or something like that. I don't know how to play poker. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, just feel a bit sophisticated, play roulette, go to Vegas, you know, 50 on black or something, you know, always bet on black. I don't know, like, you know, like money. Like, I don't know, I'm not good at gambling. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, nor do I. Was it um National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation when Chevy Chase keeps having all that bad luck, so he ends up getting taken to like some different casino where basically it's guess heads or tails. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like he needs to go to the dumb version of a casino. That would be me. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You'd be guessing heads and tails rather than trying. And I still get it wrong. I'd still get it wrong. But anyway, so we got seventy. Everyone in this episode is wanting to win seventy million dollars. Um, we get Bosco storming into the, the police locker room. I'm telling you, if they gave me the power to see who lived and died, the world would be a better place. That's where we get the Bosco as God quote. Uh, then I like, Bosco is God. I love Yoko's line. Even worse, Bosco at the DMV. Bosco at the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, it's so funny. Um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 interesting the parallels of this episode because we get some funny stuff in the opening sort of five ten minutes before obviously we get some really deep shit. Um, mm-hmm. But um, this is kind of the first of Bosco being late. It's kind of going to be an ongoing thing here. Um, and then we uh, we find out he's been four times this month late for roll call. I love Sully. Ah, oh, it's five times. And then Davis, oh, isn't this the second time this week? And then Bosco's just like, who's are you on? Just messing with, just messing with Bosco. But this yeah. this is a groundbreaking moment here in Third Watch. Uh, we, first of all, uh, can I just point out, we do meet here the esteemed Sergeant Jason Christopher, who... I mean, he becomes a bit of a player in this show. He doesn't stay around for too long. Um, I don't know if he extends past season two. Um, I, I think he's in season three a little bit. I'm looking here. He is in a total of eight episodes. Um, no, you are right. He does. Um, wow, he extends actually all the way to Blackout, the finale of season three. So, um, yeah, he's in a total of eight episodes here. So, um, you know, he's kind of a, a side character that we'll get a little bit uh, moving forward. But we don't care about Sergeant Christopher and, because who have we got here? And isn't this one's... I was going to say, isn't this one Swirsky yeah. makes this is debut? This is the debut. This is right now the official debut of the esteemed Lieutenant Swirsky. Now, um, we mentioned this a few episodes ago, kind of thinking when he comes into it, um, and this is it. And I just want to point out that this is like we we went over Lieutenant Johnson when he came in in the firehouse, um, and this is no disrespect to Lieutenant Johnson because as obviously I mentioned he's a big deal. Lieutenant Johnson, he has an episode named after him, so you know he's a he's a big side character. Lieutenant Swirsky, I'm going to point this out right now. the the most important side character in the show outside of the main build cast, and um, that's that, that's probably a big call because you're probably thinking people like Fred, Emily, 
Um, but they become main cast members at some point in this show. So that kind of takes away from it. Um, Holly probably technically, because Holly is never billed as a main cast member, um, even though she's obviously important. But Holly goes missing for a bunch of season six anyway. So I think we forget about that. The reason I say Swirsky is probably the most important because in terms of actual episodes credited outside of the main cast, he is in the most episodes. So I'm looking here um, in terms of episode appearances. So if we kind of just quickly go through this. So uh, Kobe Bell, Molly Price, Anthony Rivera, and Skip Sardeth, and Jason Wiles are all credited as being in all 132 episodes. Now, we know that's not true because we know that Molly Price and Jason Wiles are not in it for large portions of season five and season six. Both have sort of at least five, six episodes where they're not in it. Um, Kobe Bell and Skip Sardeth, from memory, might be the only one, and, and Anthony Rivera, they might actually be the only ones in every single episode. Um, I, again, would like somebody to maybe correct me on that, because I think maybe Skip or Kobe miss an episode, and maybe Anthony yep. Rivera does. Yep. Um, yep. Barb or uh, what's the other person? Uh, Alkides. Uh, I'm sure one of you can yeah, correct Barb us on that. Yeah, or, Al- or Alkides, if, if you're listening, work your magic. Yeah, no, but, the, I mean, there's a difference, obviously, between credited and actually appearing. If you're on the opening credits, you're always going to be officially credited. I believe it comes down to the, the agencies and the the uh, the unions and everything in Hollywood, you'll still get your paycheck. So you're still officially part of the cast. Um, but so all of those, I think we talked about in the very first episode, all five of those in all 132 episodes, at least credited. Next in line, Kim Raver, she was on a hunt credited as 112 episodes. Michael Beach, 104 episodes. Eddie Cibrian, 102 episodes. Joe Lisi, 70 episodes. That's Lieutenant Swirsky. So behind um, our esteemed eight that we have there. And obviously Bobby Cannavale is not there as our original nine because hashtag Bobby goes nowhere. Hashtag Bobby's about to leave. So just to put this into context, Joe Lisi, AKA Lieutenant Swirsky is in a total of 70 episodes from this point on to the very finale. Amy Carlson, our beloved Alex Taylor, who's already been in what, at least six episodes up to this point ahead of Joe. She is only going to be in a total of 61 episodes. Walsh, He's our beloved side firefighter, 57 episodes. DK, 53 episodes. Fred, Chris Bauer, 53 episodes. Matitza Cruz, Maritza Cruz, sorry. Tia Tejada, Texada, she's only going to be in 56 episodes. Nia Long, she's only going to be in 45 episodes. Bonnie Dennison, Emily Ogus, 45 episodes. Bobby Cannavale is only 38. You see where I'm going here. My point is, is that... Joe Lisi, Lieutenant Swirsky, the most important side character, not only because he appears in the most, uh, I guess, episodes outside of the main cast, but when it comes to the finale, he's in the very final episode. He gets his own little kind of what happens to him moment in that final montage. Um, and he doesn't really sort of get meaty storylines. He's kind of just the, the loo. Um, but, you know, yeah. this is an important moment because not only do we get Swirsky, but we also get the dropping of the famous line that Swirsky is best known for, can you tell me what that is, Darbell? You know it. You God. know it. As soon as I say it, you're going to kick the shit out of yourself. <laughs> God, what is it? Eyes and ears open out there. He says it oh, every single fuck. time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course. Which I actually, I believe and I have seen that being used in other TV shows and movies. So I'm guessing that is an NYPD yeah. term. Or just a police term, really. Maybe. Maybe. And speaking of NYPD, um, I think it was Barb or someone else mentioned on the fan page 
a couple months ago that Joe Lisi, at the time he appeared on Third Watch, was that is an actual retired NYPD officer. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, I did not know that. There you go. I'm learning some stuff here. Um, I'm- well, I don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know that for sure. I just read it on our on the fan page. Well, if I but- look here, I keep talking. Sorry, I'll see if I can find any information on that. Yeah. Let's see. It- but I mean, I don't think a I don't think a fellow Third Watch fan would make that up. So uh, no, you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, according to his Wikipedia page, um, he was born and raised in New York City. Um, he spent 24 surprise, years surprise. in the New York Police Department, retiring the rank of captain. Um, before no wonder he made such a good boss on the show. Bloody hell! Um, he also was in the Marine Corps, and uh, he took his first acting lessons at 29 and made his Broadway debut. Um, <laughs> at the age of 52, uh, he is best known for his television roles as Dick Barone on The Sopranos and Lieutenant Swirsky on Third Watch. Um, and still acting, according to his IMDb profile. Uh, he's just completed a film called Yins, where he plays old Mr. Tomasati. He was in Joe's War, Unforgettable. Um, he was in Blue Bloods. I actually think I remember him in Blue Bloods. I randomly do think I remember seeing him in that. Um, And he actually did the voice uh, of a character in uh, one of my favourite games, Grand Theft Auto. There you go. Um, No, I love Grand Theft Auto. Wow. So, um, yeah, we he would. I reckon he'd be one that we could easily not easily, but I think we could get him on the show. Joe Lisi. He seems like a nice guy. Um, And I've actually found he's he's got a website. He's he's, got JoeLisi.net. There you go. And he's posted maybe not in this Third Watch fans group, but I swear he I swear he's posted a few things from Third Watch in another fan group. Well, there is a, a contact page uh on joelisi.net. Um so uh I've got a fan mail address for him. Uh oh and there's a an email. Uh, that I can. There we go. We'll get. I reckon Joe's one of these ones that wouldn't easily do an interview. Joe's. Joe, he just seems like a nice guy. Don't you just want to hang out with Joe Lisi? Like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sit back, crack open a beer, and. Yeah. He'd be a good guy to have a beer with. But anyway, we're, we're going on a bit this episode, yeah. but I, it's it's an important moment. I think this is more important than you know when we met Lou jo, uh, Lieutenant Johnson. Uh, this is here. He is Mr. Swirsky, Lieutenant Swirsky. It's kind of a blink and you miss it moment. Um, but yeah, given that he goes on to be obviously such a major point of this show moving forward, um, yeah, so there's a moment, and you, you thought Sergeant Christopher was going to be the one that you're going to remember here, uh-uh, uh, he's only going to be in eight episodes, uh, and I should say, Sergeant yeah. Christopher played by Brad Bayer, who, um, I haven't heard of, uh, looking at his film roles, Nor he's been in lots of other things since, um... Again, kind of one of these bit actors who's just been in pretty much everything. So, uh, I was in Jericho. I used to watch that show. That was a good show. Um, so, so was unfor- so was unforgettable. By the way, now that you mentioned that Joe Lisi was in that, unforgettable was pretty good too. Some would say Same you wouldn't really forget last. it, would you? Because it was unforgettable. Bad joke, Ben. <laughs> um, Bad joke. Move on, Ben. Move on. Uh, so. Uh, I, I kind of like uh, when we get this little scene here between Yokus Bosco and, and Sergeant Christopher. Obviously, they all went to the academy together. Um, and I kind of, I like Yokus here. Hey, Jason, congratulations. And then he says to Bosco, I didn't take the sergeant test. Oh, probably for the best. 
<laughs> Dick Sergeant Crispo. Obviously, he does yeah. not like Bosco. Um, and we're going to find here. I This is like... Uh, I love Yoke is kind of like, oh, just make up already. This is where things are kind of still being a bit fun before things turn tragic. Because I love this scene when Bosco's waiting outside the news agency or whatever, he's sort of buying the lotto ticket. It's like, oh, come on, shouldn't be here. And you got Yoke is in line, Bosco getting impatient. Buying it. Buying a ticket. And Yoke is just like ignoring Bosco and everybody's looking at her, just like, oh, it's a jumper. Very tragic. And then we get um, Bosco, you know, complaining. What am I doing here? We see a guy called Rudy stealing a bag of oranges. Uh, Bosco completely clotheslines him, smacks him down. um, In typical Bosco fashion. To which Rudy's just kind of like, oh, my head. And Bosco said, like, oh, there's anything in your head. He shoves Rudy in the car. I love Bosco picking up oranges and then shoving them in the front seat of his car. Why does he put them in the front seat of the car? He just stole them right in front of you. Take them back to the shopkeeper. Um, Bosco walks inside. Maybe he's maybe he wants them for later. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? Grabs Yoke as he's literally front line, about to get a ticket. Um, <laughs> and I love Yoke. He's like, why do you have such a problem with me buying a lottery ticket? Um, and then she, he's sort of talking about being a scam. Now, um, this is when things kind of get a bit, um... This is where things get heavy. Very much so. So we kind of have this, like, bit of a scene. Rudy's in the back of his car, uh, sitting down, and Bosco's like, sit up. He's like, oh, I don't want to be seen. So he eventually sits up. We kind of got this cool little scene where Yoke is throwing up the orange, and we get a bit of slow-mo. And then out of nowhere, bang, bang. <laughs> And then we get this, like, amazing, like... I don't say amazing. It feels a bit weird we say This is, again, network TV. We have a head explode. Blood go everywhere all over the back of the, the shield near Bosco. Um, to which, all of a sudden, they um, jump out of the car, guns. And, you know, a very graphic scene for uh, a network TV show. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's... Not the first and third watch. No, though. not at all. Definitely not at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty brutal way to sort of get into this. We um, obviously get uh, our cut scene next. Our next lottery number, 37. So our two numbers so far, 35 and 37 for those playing at home. Um, Sergeant Christopher. Hope you have your lucky tickets. Sergeant Christopher there at the scene uh, sort of questioning Bosco and Yokus, asking what the hell's going on. How did I know you'd be my first problem today, Boscarelli? Uh, then we obviously get him being a bit of a dick to Sully. Put yourself 98. I know what 98 is. Um, and then sort of Yokus's point, uh, you know, should have uh, just let me buy the ticket. And I love how she's kind of like wiping the face of Bosco. It's just kind of a nice little... Uh, uh, moment. Yeah. We get Sully and Davis in the car. I kind of like Sully sort of talking about how, oh, you know, who does he think he is telling me what to do? I've got shirts older than that son of a, bi- son of a bitch. Uh, this is actually a fun little scene because um, Davis obviously talking about what he would do with the money. Sully saying he's too old for this crap. And then <laughs> Davis says, you ever been to Jamaica? What, Jamaica, Queens? And then just the look on Davis's face. He says this stunned look and he's like, Yes, Sully, Jamaica, Queens. It's like, no, Jamaica, the country. To which Sully's like, why the hell would I want to go there? And then Davis is just like, oh, I'll tell you what, if I'm winning, you're not invited to my island. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's just I such love, a random I love, scene. I love, the rela- I love the relationship between Davis and Sully. Again, just I mean, so natural, particularly when, like, you know, Sully's kind of on his old man horse here, isn't he? 
Um, and then kind of like David. Oh, what, what are you talking about? He's always on his old man horse. True, he loves his old man horse. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. Oh, it sounds so good. Um, but then we're, we're back at the police station, and uh, we've got Yokus and Bosco talking to this detective captain woman. I don't know who she is. Uh, but Yokus is complaining about her new memo book, Bosco and his Kevlar or whatever, and then this lady's talking about, oh, did you see a guy on a bicycle? Apparently, witnesses saw a guy on a bicycle. Um, and then we get 10-13, 10-13, shots fired at police. Uh, we get straight out to the scene. We've got two officers down, um, uh, to which one of them, Sally's kind of picking up, uh, wants to take him to the hospital, but they're going to wait for EMS. Uh, Yokus and Bosco show up in their blue NYPD car, because obviously their, their car's out of, uh, commission. Uh, we hear about a guy riding on a bicycle, uh, and then Davis here with Greg, the esteemed Greg, because, uh, Davis apparently went to the academy with him, but has no idea who he is. And sadly, Greg dies. Again, very graphic, very sort of confronting scene. Got poor old Greg, blood on his throat going everywhere and just dies. I was, yeah, I was going to say, doesn't this show him actually, he's actually, it actually shows him coughing up oh, his yeah, blood or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, very, very graphic, kind of blood everywhere. Davis, obviously, is completely, uh, you know, shocked. And it's, it's great, this scene, in terms of the editing and just the music in this scene, the way the camera spins around. You see the photo in his hat of his wife and his kid. It's it's very sad, very tragic. It's very confronting, but it's just, it works so well. This is what this episode does. Um, Both of those cops die, though, right? Uh, or is it just Greg who dies? I think it's only Greg. It's kind of implied that it's Marty, because he's only kind of, like, shot in the abdomen. Because um, I think they kind of get a mention later in this episode about abdo- uh, abdomen. Marty being sort of um, divorced or having kids. But given the funeral, there's only one casket. I think Greg's the only one who's technically dead. So, um, yeah, I think technically only Greg dies. I, I think Marty's kind of left up in the air, to be honest. But, um, again, the funeral. We've only got one casket. So, um we get kind of this scene here where Davis is just furiously washing his hands. Sally's sort of talking about this place filling up with politicians and, you know, oh, do me a favor. If something happens to me, don't let all these people say that I'm a hero. You know, I didn't want to go out there and die. Uh, then obviously Sally's sort of telling Davis, call your mum. You don't want her to hear it from the news. And, um, it's kind of Davis goes on a little bit about how he knew him at the academy. He weren't clo- They weren't close. And we'll obviously learn that he couldn't even remember his name later on. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's well acted here by Kobe Bell because he's just, you know, obviously furiously washing his hands, trying to clean the blood off. And, um, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of, um, the, the first season when Yokus kind of had the little boy when he died and she's kind of like, you know, yes. oh, new shirt, can't even tell. Poof. It's like, it's, it's brand new. Kind of, you know, obviously the psychological moment that it's going through with these cops, obviously with something like that. Um, we just got a few sort of scenes here, obviously with Yokus on the phone, calling up Fred saying he's okay. Um, and then this is kind of where Bosco, um, sort of our first inkling that this, this person is after the cops, uh, because, you know, Bosco points out, uh, the badge to Yokus. Uh, we kind of get random Carlos and Doc talking about, oh, is that the family? Uh, and then Carlos kind of shows his compassion. He's like, damn, which is kind of a bit weird, but okay. Um, then our next scene where we're back in the police house, they're playing the 1013 call from Marty and Greg, uh, getting shot. Uh, and then obviously this killer on a bike is called the New York Post and said he's at war with soldiers and he's going after cops. Um, it's a bit strange. We never get explained though, do we? 
No, that's all we hear in terms of his motive. Which, I mean, some would argue, hashtag dirty kid, I'm not going to because I don't think you really need a... I mean, I think what this episode does so effectively is kind of the unknown. Like, we kind of get these very tense scenes of the, the cops kind of walking around the streets not knowing, you know, what's going to happen to them and stuff like that. And then you've got this madman. And I kind of, I, it's kind of like the Jaws argument. Like, don't show the monster until halfway through. You're going to create more tension. Um, yep. and, and I think it kind of works this episode. You know, we get a great tense scene sort of in the foot chase later on in this episode. So I don't think you really need a reason why this guy's going around killing cops. There are crazy people out there. This has happened in real life people have just gone around targeting cops still does so you know still does yeah sadly it does we um we meet greg's wife mary jane who can i just say looks familiar i need to look her up right now um played by tina holmes apparently tina holmes, tina holmes. um she, what has she been in a lot of, again sort of the every actor been in lots of things uh, ah, she was in Persons Unknown. Maybe that's where I know her from. Now, Persons Unknown, for any Third Watch fan out there, uh, would know that that is, of course, Jason Wiles was the star of Persons Unknown. The only reason I watched that show was because he was in it. Um, and basically, uh, it was it was a weird show. It started off good, but it ended terribly. If you don't know what it's about, basically, it ran for a season. Uh, a bunch of about, uh, I think, like 10 people they all wake up in this town. They all wake up in a hotel and they all kind of don't know how they got there and they're basically locked in a small little town they can't escape and they're all being monitored and watched by people controlling them and it's kind of about, well, how the hell are they going to get out of this small town? It's, if you ever watch Under the Dome, it's kind of sort of like an Under the Dome style show. But uh, again, it... it I, I remember that show, Under the Dome, I mean. Yeah, it, it kind of like, it started off really good. But just the ending was just ridiculous. And it, like, again, I only watched it because Jason Wiles was in it. Uh, and, like, he's good, as Jason Wiles would be. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently uh, the esteemed Tina Holmes was in that. There you go. That's probably where I recognize it from. So, um, yeah. She was also yeah, in I Prison do Break. It, I do it for Ew, Grey's Anatomy. Sorry. Oh, prison Break. <laughs> prison Break. Classic show there. I do have to say, though, this scene, though, where we're where we meet her and I think this is the scene where uh where she actually goes to identify the body. Uh yeah. Uh basically very 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 believable. She she pull, she nailed that. It's it kind of absolutely um, nailed it. It yeah, kind of all connects in here. Um and kind of, yeah, it's sort of, she obviously remembers Davis, and this is kind of where Davis struggles a little bit in this episode, because, you know, clearly this Greg guy thought that they were friends, and Greg kind of, uh, Davis had no idea who this guy, We, I think we've all got those sort of people in our lives where, uh, and it's either side, where like, we would know someone, like, oh, hey, there's Jenny, I love Jenny, Jenny and I are besties, Jenny would take one look at you and go, I know the face, but what's their name? Uh, and, like, I could tell you right now, even people who would come up to me, oh, there's Ben. Love, Ben. It's not often a sentence said. Uh, but I would be like, hey, <laughs> you. Uh, so, who are you again? Um, I I remember one time when I was working in this, uh, when I was working retail many years ago, this woman, like, I said this woman, she's like, oh, Ben, how are you? And I'm like, good. How are you? Uh, She's having this conversation with me for five minutes, asking me about all these people I went to school with and all this sort of stuff. And I have, to this day, no fucking clue who this woman was. So, um, you know, we have those. You didn't bother to ask? 
Well, I mean, it was going to be big awkward three minutes into the conversation if I'd have been like, who are you? <laughs> when I've already kind of played up to the fact that I know her. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, that that actually reminds me of a time when, um, a time when it was, it was a, several summers ago, about eight years ago, um, myself, one of my younger brothers and his girlfriend at the time, that boy moved through girls so quick, it's not even funny. Don't we but anyway. All? Um, we, yeah, what? No, I don't anymore. But anyway, okay. anymore, yeah, never but, have. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, sorry. Anyway, yeah, we went to we we went to we were out riding around and went to a McDonald's to get something to eat. Turns out this turns out the girl who was at one of the windows that we pulled up to after we placed our orders. I mean, she knew she knew me. She asked me if I remembered her, and I. I could not remember who she. I cannot remember who she was. And after we left, my my brother, he was like, he's like, you could have at least pretended, man. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, I, I I can't do that. I mean, if you remember me, cool. But if I don't, if I don't know you, I'm gonna. If I can't remember who you are, I'm gonna say. Yeah. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna let you know. I'm I'm sorry, but but I am going to ask you. Hey, refresh my memory. Yeah. Maybe you can help me out here. I mean, I'll do it sometimes. Like it just depends. Like, um, you know, if I, I think it's more, maybe it's a, like, I get a message on my phone who I've deleted their number and I'm just like, Hey, you, who um, is this? new phone, lost numbers. Who is this? Like, you can kind of get it away quickly if it's on your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in person, sometimes it can be a bit awkward. Um, yeah, you know, no question it, it, yeah. It's it's kind of it depends on the moment, but um anyway, so yeah, it's kind of this is that scene. It's, it's kind of intertwined, so we've kind of got a a bit of a scene here, um, in between uh, Davis meeting uh, Mary Jane, um, and we have a very bad track record on this show with characters called Mary Jane. Um, remember our Spider Man recaps? Ugh, Mary Jane, MJ, whatever. Uh, but we um we kind of get this scene where uh David, uh sorry, Bosco and Yokus are in their new car. Bosco complaining, <laughs> you know, oh, this car's uncomfortable. I want the other one, um, which is an ugly looking car. Yeah, well, it's kind of shut up right now. It's, I also like kind of the tension. And this again, going back to the tension of this episode, we see kind of like Bosco noticing a guy on a bike riding towards their car and they're kind of tense. They've got their guns ready to go, but obviously it's, it's not the guy. Uh, this is obviously yeah. where we get Mary Jane going in to see uh, Greg. And yeah, it is, it's very confronting, like sees the body, starts crying. All the cops watching. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think those were faked. I don't think those were fake tears either. No, I'm, you know, I sometimes. You go. Whenever a character, whenever a character has to cry in a in any movie or TV show, you gotta wonder what is it. What do they do to the? What do they do to or with the actors or actresses to get them to do it? it well, it depends on. Like, I mean, there's been many actors who've sort of talked about it. I mean, there are some actors who can just do it, uh, and a lot of the time, it's just a case of thinking about something sad that happened in your life. It's it's that simple. Some people can cry on on a dime. Um, other times. You know, they struggle, they have to use the old onion trick and sort of, you know, like they can pretend to cry, they just don't have the tears. So they have to shove an onion in their eye, basically, to get their eyes watering. Um, Ouch. It's just, it's just, it's just, it depends on the actor. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's funny actually with acting because, I mean, I, I sort of, you know, one of the millions of jobs I'd always wanted to do, I'd kind of, you know, wouldn't mind being an actor for a, a bit of a portion, but, 
Like, I always kind of look at some of these scenes and you think about what actors have to do. And, you know, um, my biggest one is whenever you have sex scenes. Like, how can you do that? Like, that's like, you know, you have to kind of take yourself completely out of a situation to pretend to completely, like, have sex with a person. Um, you know, because... Unless... Well, I... no, I'm not even going to say No, you have to say it now. Oh. It's a rule. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I don't... I don't wa- I don't watch any of this, but I don't watch any of this. But from what I've heard from the very few people I know who are into it, I do know some people who are into porn, and from what they say about it, that ain't acting. Well, I, well, I think there is a big difference between porn and uh, I mean third watch. Y- you kind of see in porn that they're really having yeah. sex, so. Uh... There's no hiding that. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know either. A uh, friend told me. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Eh, I watch porn. Who gives a shit? I'm only human. I'm single. What do you expect me to do? Fucking read the Bible? God. Um, but so, no offense. If you like reading the Bible, by all means, if reading the Bible gets you off, go to town. Um, but, <laughs> I have never heard of someone. I have never heard of someone jerking off while reading the Bible. I'm sure there's been at least a few in history. Um, oh, I'm sure there have been. I'm just saying I've never heard of it. Going to hell after that comment, apparently. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is obviously a confronting scene. Like Tina Holmes does great here, and uh, we kind of get. Um, <laughs> what am I when he kisses him? What am I? What am I doing here? Oh, um, oh, we 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 have. Do you believe in fate? So this is um, obviously Bosco and Yoke is talking a little bit about um, would have gotten shot if uh, I hadn't have rested uh, Rudy for the fruit, uh, which is, a, is an interesting point. I mean, obviously the shield was there to protect him, but uh, you know, doesn't arrest him, then uh, he's a bit open there to get getting shot. Um, so you know, it's an interesting conversation. Yokus goes home. Fred kisses Fred, um, and obviously we kind of get a bit of a scene here where she's. Uh, looking at the uh, the kids. Uh, then we get Davis bringing in the uniform to Mary Jane. Um, and uh, she's talking about, obviously, uh, how proud he was to be a cop. She thanks uh, Davis, he says. I mean, props to Kobe Bell. Great acting here by him this episode. I mean, we mentioned this at the end of last episode, where obviously um, in kind of a Bosco-y episode... Uh, Davis has a lot to do and, um, you know, obviously we, we kind of didn't really mention when he first meets Mary Jane, he, he sort of, I don't say lies. I mean, he just kind of admits the truth when he says, oh, I think he was unconscious. I think it went pretty quickly. Obviously he doesn't want to tell her that she, he was like struggling to breathe and that sort of stuff. But, you know, he doesn't tell her that she, lo- he loved him very much or and that sort of stuff. Um, and obviously, you know, it's again, great acting here by Kobe Bell, obviously as he's struggling to kind of remember and come to terms with this. Um, yeah. So and yeah, anything to add on at that? some point you get at some point you get Sully, you know, and maybe this was earlier, but at some point you know uh, he tells her uh, he tells he tells Ty, let her think what she wants to. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, yeah, it's because well, that's exactly it. And when we get to that bit, but I'm sorry, I'm just I'm lost by your Sully impersonation. How good it is, um, but. <laughs> Our next number in- does it really th- does it really throw you for a loop that much? Well, I just I just I feel that skips on the line. I feel like you know maybe he has replied to our messages and this is secretly him on the line, and you're just kind of you know pretending to be Darvell along the way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, in that case, 
you know, if we end up if we end up recording the if we end up recording the the finale together when we get to that the season six finale, I'll just recite that whole montage at the end in Sully's voice. I expect you to. <laughs> I want you to work on that right now. You've only got four and a half seasons to get it right, Darville. No pressure. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, we could edit anyway we could edit Battersea into that. Uh, copyright <laughs> reasons, probably not. Uh, unless Hooverphonic give us a direct oh, permission. Fuck. Uh, you you work on the speech. I'll work on Hoover phonic. Um, so, okay, <laughs> it's a sentence never been uttered before on a podcast. Uh, Twenty six yeah. is the the next number in the uh, the the lottery. Uh, Yokus is uh, on the couch staring at a ticket. Fred comes in, talks a little bit about shooting cops, saying you don't have to go. It's a nice little scene here between Fred and Yokus. Obviously, you know, he's not wanting her to go to work and kind of it's like, well, why do you want to go to a job where people are openly targeting you? And, you know, she has a very good point. Like, I would never forgive myself if I went and something happened. Like, kind of, we'll get that scene, obviously, uh, soon with uh, Swirsky sort of saying, like, you know, people thought you might not show up today, but thanks for all proving me wrong. Um, you know, because it's, yes. it's as hard as it is. Like, um, you obviously um, want to still go in and, you know, be faithful, I guess, because, I mean, this is your job. So, um, and her, her nice and little line. Catch the, and you want to ca- catch the scumbag, yeah. too. Yeah, and her nice little line when she says, that's who I am, this is what I do, I'm a cop. It's You know, it's a nice little line. Um, yeah. Then we get, oh, look, you weren't here for the introduction of Tatiana a few episodes ago, but we get a nice little scene here. Tatiana's back, Sully leaving with a uniform and... Sully's been busy fixing Tatiana's sink, uh, which is nice. Um, and then nice little scene where Tatiana's like, I want to say for you to be careful. Um, and then he smiles. And, oh, God, I love Tatiana and Sully. Can I just, oh, yeah. it makes me happy, Darnell. Yo, yes. Yep, and I know this will spoil the next episode, but I love the ending of the next episode, oh. speaking of them. <laughs> Do you like sex, John? Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's not what I was thinking. I sure, was thinking you went. Along... Uh... <laughs> no, seriously, I I love it when. Spoiler alert! When he finally asks, when he finally asks her out. Yeah, yeah. And when she says yes, I love his little reaction. It's like a high school kid. Oh, there's just uh, these two. Just but I love it. Gives me hope, not really. Uh, but like, it's just yeah. Love, 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 love Tatiana so much. Um, Savannah Hask. Beautiful Savannah woman. Hask. Beautiful yep, woman. She played that, she nailed that role. Now, uh, obviously, it's just, it's a brief little scene, but it's enough to make a smile. Um, this is also, we kind of get a nice little scene here with Bosco kind of showing a bit of humanity here, where he's obviously showing up to Rudy Granger's mum's house, kind of, you know, just wanted to basically tell, you know, he wants to tell someone. He wants to ask if you're okay, and it's a nice little scene. She's sorry for the loss. I kind of like weird little scene where she's like, "Oh, do you want to come in?" It's like, what's she implying there? Uh, but boss goes late uh, <laughs> again. Again. Uh, shows up. How much time do we have? None. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is obviously Swirsky again, as I said. Um, you know, the one uh, PP called. Uh, task force people said that you might not show up thanks for proving me wrong again um boss goes late he gets a uh command discipline or whatever it is uh in his in his uh file um we kind of learned that obviously bosco must have had sex with uh with uh christopher's uh fiance 
Uh, and I just kind of like Bosco. She basically begged to come home with me. And then Yogurt, he was engaged to her. It's like, oh, I'm never going to get into ESU. This is kind of, I think, the first real inkling we get of Bosco wanting to do more than just be a beat cop. And it's kind of interesting with Bosco because I think when we get to the finale, I always maybe had the biggest issue with what they said happened with Bosco, like what ultimately became of his character. But I think kind of I've come to terms that I kind of like it because Bosco dabbles in other sort of areas of the NYPD in the coming seasons, obviously between ESU and anti-crime. So, um, yeah, we, we get a bit of a taste of Bosco sort of going outside of the uniform. But um, ultimately, spoiler alert, it's obviously not him in this pairing who goes on to bigger and better things in the NYPD. Um, but yeah, I just kind of just like that. Um, yeah. What do we, we get a nice little, um, Sully and Davis scene here where they're walking down the street and it's kind of, it's, it's a very valid point that Sully makes here because a bike goes past and he's like, oh, you never realize how many of something there are until you have to look for them. And he mentions about this Volkswagen with a canoe. That's so true. Like one thing I've noticed is like when you get a car, like when you get a new car or an, or an old used car, whatever, yeah. when you've got a different car that you drive. You never realise how many of your car is out there until you're driving it. Like, I had this red Mazda Astina little sporty little thing for a while. A car that you would never notice until I started driving. I see them everywhere now. So it's kind of like (laughs) you just, you don't notice it until, you know... It's it's there, so uh, it's it's a very valid point. I don't know if it's it's just mm-hmm. it's just an interesting thing, which is kind of a good point. And obviously, uh, Davis here admits that uh, he's been asked to be a pallbearer, and this is where you obviously were your point that you brought up there, Darvell, when she says, uh, Sally says, let her think what she wants to think, because this is Davis kind of admitting, like I didn't remember him, I don't remember his name, I don't know why I should be doing this. So yeah, it's a nice little scene, I think. Yeah, and. And it, it is an honor. It, he was right when he said when he said in response to that, it's an honor. I mean, he he was right. I mean, it is it is an honor to be a pallbearer, to to be asked to be a pallbearer. Sad as it is, I was asked to be a pallbearer at my paternal grandmother's funeral a couple of years ago. Hardest thing I ever did, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But it. I, it, it was definitely an honor to do it. Yeah, you know, I, I could definitely imagine. Um, we get uh, Bosco and Yokus uh, just kind of walking around, and obviously people are staring at them, and they're like, why are people staring? It's, oh, we're just dead men walking. Um, and then we, we get this uh, this bin skip being closed down. It sounds like a gunshot. Bosco and Yokus sort of like get to the ground, but they realize it's only a, it's a bin, and they obviously like, oh, we're going to catch this bastard because they're obviously on edge. Um, mm-hmm. Our next lottery number, the number five. So we've got 35, 37, 24, 26, and number five. Not the most spread out numbers, but uh, there you go. Then uh, Bosco obviously has been called out to get this command discipline. He's got to do it out in the street. Uh, he gets called to um, Sergeant Christopher, and obviously this is where Yoko's is like, I mean it, Boz. Salute him. Um, and this is where we get this scene. This is this is our the image I've used for our episode card on our website and on Instagram. It's very famous scene here because we see it. It's, I think this is basically in the opening credits from this point on. It's all, all the way up to the end of season six. It's the scene where you see Bosco saluting. He's got his hat on and he's saluting. That is used constantly in the credits here on Third Watch moving forward. Um, and basically he wants to talk to uh, Sergeant Christopher as he uses his first name here, Jason. 
because uh, this is kind of when we didn't, we got, I didn't mention that scene earlier on when he kind of went off at Yokus. You know, on the street, it's not Jason, it's Sergeant Christopher, and you didn't salute me, Yokus. So he's been a real dick. Um, and he's basically, you know, uh, Bosco's like, look, it was a long time ago. I'm sorry what I did. And he's like, water under the bridge, sign here. Uh, so, like, you know, water under the bridge, my ass. It's still affecting you. Of man. course, it is absolutely. But then the guy on the bike's back. He sh- uh, scoots past, shoots at them. Bosco actually saves Sergeant Christopher's life here. Um, and then we get a car chase. We haven't had a car chase in a while, Darvell. I feel like it's been maybe nope. the first episode of this season when obviously Sully went after the the guys in that crash. It's really the first time in like ten episodes we've had a car chase. Uh, and <laughs> I'm not necessarily complaining yeah, who about car chases are back. Well, I'm not necessarily complaining about that because come season six, we barely go five minutes without having a car chase. So, uh, no, really, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's again, third watch, not relying so much at this point in time, at least on, you know, overactions and things like that. But this whole sequence is amazing. Can I just point out like the music is great. The editing, just the action, the tension is so great. So we've got Bosco, Yokus, Sully, Davis are all chasing after this guy. They're in their cop cars. Great chase sequence. This guy on a bike basically gets to a point where he comes up to a truck, has to skid under a truck, goes into a junkyard. We get this amazing tense filled scene of them going around this junkyard trying to find this guy. It's beautifully shot. It really makes you feel tense and scared in this. You just don't know what's going to happen. And the acting, like Jason Wiles, looks like he's about to shit himself every time somebody gets a gun is fired. So well acted. Um, and then ultimately, Bosco climbs under a car, sees this guy's leg, shoots him in the ankle. Um, they all come and circle him, all point their guns at him. They, he kind of smirks at him. You think, oh, Bosco's going to punch him. He kind of walks away. Before he does, he kicks him in the head. No one gives a shit, though. And then uh, they call yeah. in 55 David. We need a bus and a supervisor at this location. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they, no one gave a shit. Because, I mean, every, I mean, Sully, Davis, Faith, when they all circle around him, you can bet they wanted to do more than just give him a kick in the head. Well, How about a bullet. As we often know, when, uh, you know, we've got a cop killer, it's obviously, uh, you know, we'll see that uh, come a few seasons later on when uh, Bosco's brother's in play, sort of the. Uh, the reaction that comes to somebody who's potentially killed an NYPD officer. So it's kind of a thing. But I just want people right now here to, to bookmark this scene, bookmark this note, because first of all, I think this is a nominee for a top five moment of this season. Uh, I just think this whole chase sequence filled with this tense moment, it's maybe a five, ten minutes, a long scene. There's, there's two scenes in this entire episode, which to me are nominees, and we're going to get to the second one in just a moment, of nominees for potential top five moments of this season. Um, but I just want people to bookmark and remember this scene because we will get, I think it's season five, a very similar ending to a chase that involves a junkyard. And the difference that you will see here, you can compare these two sort of sequences to just see how this show has changed when we get to season five. This is all beautifully done. It's tense. Like they don't go out of their way to kind of go to town with multiple, you know, shots and things like that. It's just one guy. Shootouts. Yeah, it's not a shootout. It's one guy in a junkyard. It's tense. It's nerve-wracking. This is beautifully done. When we get to this sort of revisited in a few seasons and we kind of get a very similar scene, it's the opposite. It's let's just shoot the shit out of everyone. There's machine guns. There's just, you know, it's it's kind of over-the-topness. It's, this is where you can tell Third Watch has changed. I would argue that... If you want to kind of compare some scenes when it comes to what this show was in season two to what it's like towards the end, these are scenes you can compare it to. So just remember this scene 
not only because we're going to maybe put this up as a nominee for a top five moment of the season, which I think will be trumped by this scene we're about to get to in a second is probably, you know, more poignant from this episode. Um, I just think it's important to remember that just because, you know, this show will change, obviously, gradually. But we do lead into this, this like, this is, I just, this is, again, we, we talked about this in After Hours about how, watch this show in terms of, how good this is and how underrated this is. This whole closing section to me is once again, just sells this show is so good. And how this never got as much sort of, uh, you know, reaction or acting notabilities here. Kobe bell here. Just wow. Um, sort of this, it's kind of the way it's connected to, we obviously get, you know, as I said, the five, five David bus and supervisor at this location, you kind of hear this like beating of a drum and you don't know if this is part of the music. Like there's a bit of tense here. They're going to go off a Bosco or whatever, but they quickly cut into the drum beating is we're at the funeral. This is a full NYPD police funeral for Greg. And like just the extent they've gone here to film this. I mean, I think this looks like it's kind of at that graveyard that I mentioned a few episodes ago, which I kind of think is the go-to graveyard of where they, they bury people here. But they've gone all out to film this to make it look completely legitimate. I mean, the amount of extras they've used here, the band, the, you know, all the people dressed up in their uniforms, just it, like, this is so realistic. And The only thing it was missing was a 21-gun salute. It Well, exactly, it was. And maybe they just couldn't afford the guns. I don't know. But, um, you know, I mean, just like... The close-up here we kind of get of the officers putting their, their uniforms on, sort of doing their buttons up, shining their shoes. But just this whole sequence, like, the only music, the only sound effects you are hearing are from the band. You're hearing, you know, Skip Sardis, who's like, like, you know, good voice acting there by Skip Sardis. Um... It's just, oh, God. And just as soon as those bagpipes kick in, you got Davis and... Just, again, Kobe Bell just steals this scene. The way he sort of carries it, and he's kind of... They all walk up to the casket, put the flower on the casket. Davis salutes with tears in his eyes. And just this scene when he turns to the family, turns to Mary Jane, he turns to the boy, tears streaming down his face. As soon as he salutes Mary Jane and the little boy, the little boy kind of looks up, he gets up, and he salutes back at Davis. Oh, God, I was bawling my eyes out. It's just so... And just the bagpipes and just everything about this scene... Uh, I mean, I know I just said a few seconds ago, nominee for top five moment for the, the shootout scene. This, to me, almost Never is a lock. That. This this almost is a lock as a top five moment of this entire season. It's just so emotionally driven. Um, and just as a tribute episode to fallen police officers, obviously we'll get our fallen firefighter episode in about, uh, what, like nine episodes time, seven episodes time. Um, but, yeah, this... Wow, Darbell, this scene is just amazing. Man. And didn't you say that at some point in this little scene, or maybe it's sometime after, there's actually an on-screen graphic that shows, that gave statistics. Oh, that, that would be the close. Yeah, I'll get to that. That's the closing sort of scene of this uh, whole episode. But uh, Okay. And this is this is kind of where I was saying... Um, how I always got confused at this and the five honor were both season three episodes. Cause I always kind of thought they did this in sort of a tribute to the nine 11 victims as a little bit more, but the fact they did this before nine 11 sort of as a nice little tribute episode to obviously fallen police. And then obviously we'll get our fallen firefighter episode in honor. Um, we don't get a fallen paramedic episode, but I guess they kind of tied in with the FDMY. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, God, this episode, it's just so powerful. Fantastic episode. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so well shot, so well done. Um, I just actually, 
I need to backtrack here a little bit because we're going to we're talking about how emotional this episode is and we're going to get to this closing scene in a second. I just had a bit of a fanboy moment here, Darvell. You and I were talking about uh, Grand Theft Auto in terms of Joe Lisi. Mm-hmm. Now, did you play Grand Theft Auto Five? As in Trevor, I think I did Franklin and Michael. Yeah, I think I think I did. I think I did a while ago. Yeah. So you would you would know who I'm talking about when I'm talking about Trevor, right? As in Mister Hard Ass Nut. I think anybody who's ever played Grand Theft Auto Five automatically knows who Trevor is. The star of the game. He's just this nut job guy who goes around and just does everything. I the actor who plays him, Stephen Ogg, uh, who actually looks exactly like the character of Trevor on Grand Theft Auto. All the three main voice actors look like their counterparts. But I noticed him in an episode of Better Call Soul. Uh, he was randomly in an episode of that because again, you can tell by his voice. The reason I bring this up, you're probably thinking, "What the hell has this got to do with anything?" Ben, shut up. Get to the end of this episode. The shooter on the bike that we just captured a few seconds ago in the blue jacket. Is Stephen fucking Og? Trevor is the shooter on the bike. I am. My mind is blown. I've just discovered that. That is incredible. <laughs> I was going to. S- wow. <laughs> I am. I am so like. Wow. Hashtag Trevor. Hashtag Trevor started on third watch. Well, according to this, it was his second ever TV role. He was in a movie called Giving It Up, where he played a fashion photographer. He was in a short film called The Romantic Comedy with an Edge, where he played Donnie Don Don. He then was in a episode of Law and Order, where he played Mark V. And then he was in Third Watch, where he played Shooter in A Hero's Rest. Stephen Ogg, Trevor, was in Third Watch. I love this man even more now, and I haven't played Grand Theft Auto in a while. I need to play this game. I need to stop recording right now and go play as Trevor. And I could ride around on a bicycle and shoot at cops. Then I could play Third Watch. There we go. Third Watch in a video game. Like, <laughs> not saying go around shooting cops. Bad thing to do. Naughty Trevor. But like... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just get randomly excited yeah. when like some of my favourite things are connected. So, yeah. Um, Stephen Ogg. Look, I tell you one thing. I would love to interview Stephen Ogg just because he's awesome and he's Trevor. But like, I, I think reach out to Stephen Ogg. He probably gets a hundred requests a day to be interviewed about Trevor. Hi, Stephen Ogg. Would you like to talk about your role as shooter in Third Watch? Um, probably never gotten that request before. Um, but then we get this great closing scene. Anyway, so just quickly, the lotto numbers, let's finalise them. 35, 37, 24, 26, 5, and 16. Not quite the esteemed uh, mythology around them like the lost numbers, but still, there you go. Put them out there. Um, yep. We get um, this nice little scene in a bar where they all toast uh, Greg Richards. We all see that none of them got any numbers, and I kind of like Yokus. oh, I really wanted to win. You don't say. Um, and, uh, no, and then Bosco's Bo- Bo- like, no, you, some like, no, you'd miss me too much. Yeah. Well, we get this nice little scene where Bosco leaves and kind of gets Sully like, see you tomorrow. I just love this closing because we kind of get the bagpipes playing in the background. We get Jason Wiles narrating it saying that we've got some coffee shop employees in Queens that won it. Um, and then we find out that Bosco had a ticket all along. He threw it out. It could have been the winner because as we hear, oh, there was another winner that never came forward. Um, but the thing I love about this scene is just the narration. We hear that, uh, Bosco paid for Rudy Granger's funeral. Uh, it was only him and his mother showed up and it was all that he could afford. 
Uh, we get this nice little line where Bosco kind of says like, oh, I wonder if I had won that, would have I shown up for work tomorrow? And he's like, you bet I would. I would have been there. Um, but the thing that I also yeah. really love about this scene, and I'm, again, uh, Okides, Barb, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I do believe this is the only time we ever get to see Times Square in Third Watch. As Bosco leaves the pub, it must be in Times Square, and we get Bosco walking through Times Square. What more New York can we get than that unless they're at the Statue of Liberty? Um, such an, like, love yeah. it. I just, I mean, I've been to Times Square multiple times. I just love knowing the fact that I've been there and Bosco's been there. I don't know, it's a weird thing. Um, and then we, you know. Yeah. This is where it closes out. We've got the bagpipes playing, and this is where we get the graphic on screen, which says 150 police officers in this country died in the line of duty in the year 2000. That is a lot. 150. That is, wow. So, again, this is our tribute episode Um, to the police, not just the NYPD. It is also just a tribute episode to police in general in the United States. So, such a powerful way to the end of the episode and such a great episode. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I I also have to say kind of a side thing. the part where Jason Wiles is narrating and he says that, you know, he paid for, paid for Rudy Granger's funeral as well. And only Rudy and his only Bosco and Rudy's mom showed up, you know, I kind of little side character, but I mean, I, I kind of felt bad for the guy. Yeah. Rudy. I mean, yeah, Rudy. I mean, to have only two people show up at his, it's, I mean, that's how it is. I think, that would be my funeral. Uh, <laughs> I'd get one person, just be my dad. Uh, but um, yeah, it's um, you know, it's 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 a nice little line though to hear that he paid for the funeral and he. I mean, again, it's just yes. kind of what we've always talked about, Bosco. That yeah, he's a bit of a dick. He's a bigot. He's got his issues, but he, he goes out of his way to be nice. And I mean, there's a lot more to be said about Carlos. I mean, Carlos and Bosco are very similar, which I guess is kind of disturbing to say that they're my two favorite characters in this show. People are wondering what type of person I am, but um. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice little scene, and I agree with you. Like, you do feel sorry for Rudy, but um, there you go, Heroes Rest. Anything else to add before we get into our Evil Review section? No. No? All right. Well, no. Uh, what are you doing with this one, Darvell? Do I do I dare ask? I think it's kind of an obvious one what we're doing. Well, I know what I'm doing with this one, but I don't know about you. I shouldn't really be putting stuff into your head here. <laughs> well, I know I'm buying this one. Absolutely, yeah. And I don't think I, I don't think, I don't think either. Well, I can't speak for you, but I'm gonna be bold enough to say I don't think either of us really need to. Assuming you're gonna buy, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, and yeah, I agree. And I think like on the grand scheme of things, I don't the, think either of us need to say why. Well, exactly. And I think on but, the grand scheme of things, when uh, you know we ultimately get to the end of these recaps, and we've kind of, you know, we're, we've teased slightly that we might sort of sit down and recap all of these episodes uh, in order, which would be a fun thing to do. We won't necessarily do it all on air. We'll come up with our own sort of. Uh, you know, list and kind of go over the highlights. But I might even argue that this this is a, a top 20 episode of Third Watch. It might not quite make the top 10, but it might. Um, you know, th- this is just such one of those really good episodes. And I'm just looking here on IMDb, the only place which there's ever any form of ranking for these episodes. Uh, and this is around about a top 20 episode. So if I was quickly scroll through these, it's about 22nd, 23rd on the overall list. So I think that's a decent spot. It's got an 8.8 viewer rating on IMDb. So, uh, I mean, there's a few episodes above this, which I would laugh at the reason why it's ahead of this. Uh, I mean, the highest rating episode on this, according to IMDb users, is Goodbye to Camelot. And look... The, the finale is a decent... Solid episode, It's yes. a solid episode. It's a middle-of-the-range. It's definitely not the best episode of Third Watch. So, 
Um, sure isn't the worst either. And again, let's point out that Snowblind apparently is a better episode than A Hero's Rest. Go fuck yourself, IMDb users. Go fuck yourself. Um, anyway, <laughs> hello to all IMDb users out there. Glad that you are joining us here on the Oz Network. Um, great episode. We're, we're off now, though, into true love, Darvel, true love. Um, yes. Which, look, it's, it's so again, sort of a Bosco. It's, again, maybe back to more of a diverse episode. It's spread out. Uh, we're going to get a bit of Bosco and his mum. We love Bosco's mum. Um, we, we get more of Sully and Tatiana, as you mentioned, and we get a bit more of a, uh, resolution in some ways to, uh, Jimmy's little, uh, escapades at the bachelor party. So you think that was being forgotten about? Uh, no. Uh, so it's gonna, it's gonna come back. Uh, anything to add on true love before we close this out? No. No. Alrighty. Uh, as always, we do close this out by saying thank you for listening. And, of course, if you uh, do like these episodes, remember to subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, depending on what your poison is, your platform, what do you like to use, your Apple, you're a, you're a streamer, you're an Android, whatever you want to do. And whilst you're there, please, we would appreciate it if you could just take a few moments of your time to leave us some feedback, leave us a rating. We really would definitely appreciate that as well. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on YouTube, you know the usual channels. And, of course, if you don't just like Third Watch, you like other shows, you like Nip Tuck, you like Lost, you like Survivor, you like movies, uh, there's plenty of other shows here on the Oz Network for you to get involved in, too. It's not just purely Third Watch, um, but that's the one that you're listening to right now. Uh, but, yeah, we look forward to covering True Love next episode. My name is Ben, and I'm telling you, if they gave me the power to see who lived and died... We would never, we would live in a better place. <laughs> My name is Darvell, and you are one lucky son of a bitch. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>